Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. You know, if somebody, if you're like, well, what is this book about? I would say this, I'd sum it up like this. It is a battle strategy book. It is a battle strategy, battle strategy manual. And Jesus described the life that we're in. We're in a war zone. Have you ever felt like that? You know, the message translation, I love how he described it in the book of Matthew. He said, he said this, he said, this is war. There is no neutral ground. There is no neutral ground. We're in a war zone, and some of you are like, yeah, we are. It's happening overseas, and the, you know, and it is. I mean, literally, it's happening, but you know, I think sometimes, you know, you probably, and maybe you're like me, you feel this, maybe you felt the clash just in day-to-day life. How many of you have experienced that? It's like a clash of, you're trying to have faith and believe God you're going to do this, and then it's a clash of all of the things that seem so impossible, or the clash of emotions, or the clash of, I really don't want to flip them off, but I really, really want to. We have that clash inside of us, and we feel this, that big, intense, it's like this fight, and I think we're, we're probably more aware of the war that we're in than what we realize, consciously. We know things aren't as they should be, and you know why? Why is that? You know, we think of, you know, next week, oh man, I'm so excited, I love Easter, and, you know, next week we celebrate Easter. We celebrate the victory of, of Jesus. We celebrate his victory and triumph. Over sin and death, we celebrate his resurrection. That was a sign that God's new creation had already begun. It wasn't just going to have to wait till the end of time. But God was actually really literally, not metaphorically, not as, you know, some, you know, weird, you know, spiritual thing. But actually, God was starting something brand new. New creation was starting with Resurrection Sunday. So why is it kind of hard to see that? (laughs) Anybody wonder, why is that reality hard to see? Why do we still see wars breaking out? Why is there still sickness? Why is there still death? Why do we still experience division and hate and injustice? Well, we know this. Jesus really did gain a decisive victory over the enemy. Listen to what he said, Matthew 28, 18. All authority, everyone say all. All authority has been given to me in heaven, on, in heaven and on earth. First John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God was made visible was to undo or to destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. So we know that what Jesus did, it was real. He won a victory. It was very decisive. You don't get much more than all. All power and authority, Jesus said, was given to him. And then he shares that with us. He came to undo, to dissolve all the power of the enemy. But we don't fully know why the enemy still has power. That's kind of not super clear in Scripture. So if you ever talk to somebody who says they know exactly why, they don't know. Just whatever. It's cl- we got some ideas. We got some hints. But we don't really know why. Why the enemy still has power. We just know this. Look at this. Look at what Jesus said in Luke 10. 
He said, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. You just need to do that with your foot. Just do it. Just take a minute. Just stomp really hard with your foot. Especially if you got some things that you feel like, I just want to kick them in the teeth. Not people. Stuff. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. See, in some way, God thought that this, giving us his authority, he thought that was a better way, a better plan on how to deal with the enemy than completely dealing with the enemy at the cross through Jesus. That is mind-blowing. Why wouldn't God just do it all himself? Why would he share that power and that authority with us? I don't know. But I really am happy he has. And see, we can try to sort out why. Why did God do or why did, why did he give us the power? Why didn't he just deal with the enemy then? Or what we can do is we can take a hold of his power and authority that he has given to us, that he set in motion. We can take what he has done, what he has set in motion, and we can use his power and authority, and we can push back against the power of the enemy that lingers. And that gives me, gets me excited. We can push back against these enemies of the soul that we've been, we've been looking at over the last several weeks. The enemies of the soul being the devil himself and the thoughts that he would try to wage war with and try to plague us with. The thoughts like Mike had mentioned earlier of hopelessness and despair or anger or bitterness and all of those ideas that just bring not anything good to, out of our lives. Or the enemy of our soul, which is those disordered desires in our flesh, or just even the chaos in the world that's so broken. See, he has all authority, and he's given us that authority and that power, so we can carry on his victory, and we can push back against those things. So, how do we do this? Well, in the series, we've looked a lot of different ways, but we're going to look at one that's very unique. And we do it through the means that Jesus modeled. And it's something called cross-formed living. Cross-formed living. See, the cross for Jesus, it started way before he was even crucified. In Luke 9, 23 and 24, we have Jesus' words says, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Now, how many of you grew up in church, going to Sunday school, or maybe like VBS where you've heard this verse, take up your cross and follow Jesus. You know, it's, got, it's kind of got a weird, it's just like, what does that mean? Especially when you're like seven, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Like, what does that actually mean? Was Jesus speaking about, like, literally you need to be crucified? No. But take up your cross and follow me. What did this mean when, when Jesus' followers heard this? Well, in their mind, they had no idea he was going to be crucified. But the cross... 
in these, the minds of the crowd and the people that Jesus was speaking, when they heard, take up your cross daily, when they heard that, for them, the cross represented Rome. And Rome was the ruling power or the ruling government over your entire life. If you were a Jew, you hated Rome with a passion. Because what Rome had done, Rome had come into your land that God had given you, that you had held on to for thousands of years, and Rome took over and said, we're in charge now. And they were ruthless. And the Romans, they were not nice leaders. We think we have a bad, we have nothing on Rome. Canada has nothing on Rome. Sometimes it might feel like we're going there. But, but Rome was the power that reminded you how powerless you actually were. Because at any moment in time, a Roman soldier, if he didn't like your looks, could come up and just slap you and carry on. If he was tired of riding on his horse, tired of having his horse be, you know, weighed down with his pack that was, you know, sometimes 50 to 100 pounds, he could stop any Jew no matter what they're doing, they could be in the middle of business. He's like, Jew, over here now. Take my pack and carry it. And you had to. And if you didn't, if you resisted, he could kill you with his big spear. Rome was ruthless. Rome was the power that you did not want ruling over you. Rome reminded you of your defeat. And the cross was the physical representation of the absolute power and authority of Rome. Criminals were crucified on it. People who were insurrectionists or rebels against the government were crucified on it. Rome used the cross as a way to send a message. You can't mess with us, don't even try. That was the message of the cross for Rome to the Jews, to all the other nations that they would occupy. You can't mess with us. Don't even try. And I don't know about you, but sometimes, have you ever felt like it feels like that? If these enemies of the soul, our flesh, the thoughts, the enemy, even the world around us, it just feels like you can't mess with us, so don't even try. Have you ever felt like that? You feel powerless against those thoughts that just keep coming in or those desires that are all messed up in your flesh and trying to they get you in trouble and you say things you don't want to say or you do things you wish you wouldn't do. You can't mess with us. Don't even try. But yet Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. See, the cross is actually the ultimate authority against those powerful enemies of the soul. Take up your cross and follow me. Was Jesus saying this? Take up your cross, those things that rule over you. Those things that make you feel powerless. Those things that try to control you. Those things that stir up fear and anger and hatred and bitterness and anxiety and resentment. Those things you have no control over, those things that would try to humiliate you or torture you or cause you great pain, those enemies of the soul, you can't defeat them yourself. You don't have the power to, but here's the good news. I have, I have, 
I have done that for you. As you follow my lead, as you watch how I'm going to take this weapon that they think they're going to use against me, and I'm going to turn it around, and it is going to become the most powerful force on the planet. That's what Jesus was trying to communicate to his disciples. They weren't getting it. They had no idea what was coming for Jesus. But that's what he was saying. I'm going to take their weapon, and I'm going to turn it upside down, and it is going to become the most powerful, lethal force all creation has ever seen. And instead of being a weapon of death, it's going to be a weapon of life. See, the cross looked like defeat, but it was the greatest power of all. And I just want to read a few scriptures. These are just a couple of the scriptures describing the power of the cross. And, you know, I think it's so important for us today that, man, as Jesus followers, and maybe you're here and you aren't a Jesus follower, you need to know there is a power available to you today to win and to overcome those things that you feel powerless against, whether it's despair, whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear, whether it's just an overwhelming sense of despair or hopelessness. There is a power available to you through Jesus and what he has done, and that power of the cross is for us today. It's not just a symbol. It's not just something that's on a wall or on the top of a building. There is power in that cross. Colossians 1.20, he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. We have peace with God because of his cross. Colossians 2.14, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. All the shame, all the guilt, all the regrets, all condemnation, boom, nailed to the cross. This is one of my favorite ones, Colossians 2.15. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. I love that. God just stripping the enemy naked, marching him through the streets. 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. The cross is still the very power of God. So if, if the cross still is the power of God today, how do we access that power? How do we take up our cross and exercise the same kind of power and authority over all the power of the enemy that Jesus used the cross to accomplish. How do we do that? Well, we actually can. I love what John Mark Comer, the author of the book, Live No Lies. He makes a statement about the cross. I mean, when I first read it, it's just like, whoa. Listen to this. The cross isn't just something Jesus did for us. It's also something we do with him. Isn't that powerful? Jesus didn't die so we don't have to. He died to teach us how to die. How to follow him through death and into life. Whoa. Jesus didn't die, so we don't have to die. Man, I don't know how many times I've said that, but I don't actually think that's true now. 
You know, because I think sometimes we think, just didn't die so we don't have to. And I think there's something that kind of flicks on in our head that, like, we should be above hard stuff and suffering in life. God, that's a farthest from the truth. <laughs> it's true, though. Yes? He died to teach us how to die, how to follow him through death and into life. Well, does that mean life is just one big, long martyrdom, suffering and pain, and it's all, it's just like, oh, I'm a Christian. <laughs> well, some of you, you would think that's what you believe. <laughs> you need to smile. You need to, and I understand if it's a hard time, but you know what? There's something, but it's not like, yay, I love suffering. We're not being masochists. That's not what he means. That's not it at all. But he was saying there is a power through the hard stuff that if instead of running and avoiding, if you lean into Jesus in it, there is a power that is lethal against the enemy's power to try to wage war against you, to try to get you to be succumb and overcome by hopelessness and bitterness and just begin, be, be, begin resentful and anger and just like all the other stuff in our world. But it's embracing cross-firm living that the power of the cross is released. See, I think it's so important that we get this. If we don't fight the way Jesus fought and the way he showed us how to fight, we will see people as the enemy. And we will do the wrong things. <laughs> we will try to deal with things on just an earthly level. We will see the people as our enemy and the world is hopelessly screwed up and lost. And then how we respond is we just add more anger, more hatred, more bitterness, more frustration into a really ugly mix, our world, that actually needs to be healed. And we're called to be those healing agents in the world. That's why you are still here on the planet, while you still have breath, why you still have breath in your lungs. If you ever wondered why, that's why. You were to be a conduit, not in your own power, but through the life of Jesus Christ, through leaning into him, you're to be a conduit of his healing power into wherever you're at. So here we go. What does cross-form living look like? Well, there's a lot of different ways we can look at the power of the cross, but I want to look at seven statements that Jesus made while he was on the cross. And I think there's extreme significance in those statements, because let's face it, if you're being crucified, you can hardly breathe. The last thing you want to do is say anything. Because every breath, you're, they purposefully, when they crucified people on the cross, they purposely bent their legs so that you would have to push up to breathe. And with every breath, your raw back that was just whipped open is rubbing against raw splinters. So it makes sense that the last thing you would want to do is breathe and talk. But Jesus did. And I think there is extreme importance in these things that he said. And I think they're actually a key to how we can live a cross-formed life. Because there's power in the word of God. There's power in his words. And see, when God speaks, life happens. Things are changed. Creation takes place. God's words are powerful. And when God in the flesh was speaking these words on the cross, he was releasing supernatural power for all of us. 
And if we can live this way, if we can follow his lead, man, there will be a supernatural power we encounter in our life. The first thing he said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. After they nailed him to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And this is a cross-formed response that we can take in our daily life. Man, instead of railing against all the stupidity out there, hello, there is a lot. Instead of being mad, instead of rehearsing this, you know, we've had to put the kibosh on all kind of talk at supper. It's like only happy talk, only kind talk, only happy words. Because, man, it was going COVID ballistic for a while. It's really bad. But you know what? Instead of railing against everyone and everything or complaining or just rehearsing all that's wrong, everything that's causing problems or making us mad, whether it's the news or government or the person you work with, those who hurt us, Father, forgive them. God, forgive them for posting that really stupid post. Don't unfollow them because they post something you don't like. Forgive them. Father, forgive them for being retarded. I shouldn't have said that word. Be, being stupid. Please don't post any comments in there. It was not meant to come out. You have to understand. There's certain things that go off in my head, and sometimes the filter's broken. Forgive them for saying stupid things. Father, forgive them for acting that way. Father, forgive them for not seeing me. Because they actually had a thousand other things on their mind. And then not stopping to say hi to you in the lobby did not mean that they were ignoring you. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them for disappointing me. Father, forgive them for being selfish. The cross-form response of Father, forgive them. The next thing Jesus said was, woman... Here is your son. And he said that about his mother Mary to John, the beloved, who's the only disciple that stayed at the cross. He said, woman, here is your son. And he said, son, here is your mother. Well, what does that mean for us? It was Jesus blurring the lines between what family had been thought to be and what it now would be. He was blurring the lines to say, you need to throw open wider your relationship circle. Resist othering. Well, them. Those others over there. They think like that, but we think like this. Resist. Well, they're not my responsibility. Make room for more family in your life. Blur those lines for who or what family is. We need each other to win against the enemy. And now more than ever in a season where we are coming out of isolation and distance, and I just got my nice little, you know, I got my nice little routine. I don't do anything anymore with anybody. Get out of that routine. I thirst was the next thing that Jesus said. I thirst. And you know what this is about? Jesus was feeling that deep thirst in us as human beings, that thirst, that soul thirst that we have as humans. And by him saying, I'm thirsty, he was reminding us that we can't quench that thirst with the things of this world or with the experiences of this world or even the humans of this world. God's given us people 
to do life with, to love, to care for, but they can never fill the spot that only he can fill. And see, those things that we look to to fill us, there's a thirst that can be filled by only God himself. And he doesn't want us to settle. Don't settle for those quick fix thirst quenchers. Those things, the stuff of those world. And you know what? This is what I've come to experience. God will keep us thirsty. So we keep going to him. So that we come to him to have our thirst fulfilled. Why have you forsaken me was the next thing that Jesus said. Oh man, some of us, we can relate to this. Where are you, God? Where are you? And in those moments, in those seasons, or those days when we feel abandoned, man, this is what we look to. Why have you forsaken me? And we can remember, Jesus knows exactly how we feel. Actually, more so because there was a break. I don't know how that worked between God was God, but how did he separate from himself? I don't know. But he felt the absolute abandonment in his spirit. And we can remember that when we feel abandoned, we actually aren't. Because he was forsaken so that we would never, ever, ever be forsaken. Now, does that mean we won't ever feel forsaken? Yes, we do. But when we feel it, what we can immediately do is that cross-formed response is, I am not forsaken. He was forsaken for me. God, you are present. You are right here with me. You are closer than what I can imagine. And this is where we got to look for God and see God in the circumstances when they don't look great, we can say, God, you're here. I trust that you're here. I trust that you're here with me. I trust that you're closer than what I could ever imagine. And you know what? You actually do begin to feel his presence. Today you will be with me in paradise, was what he spoke to the thief on the cross. And you know what this is speaking to? Our cross-form response is about us being hope bringers. He was bringing hope to this guy. His last moments on the cross. And he said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And you know, this is where in our own pain, in our own hardship, when we can respond, when we can look around and see no matter how much it hurts, there is somebody else hurting. And a lot of times our healing comes is when we reach out to others and we can bring hope to others even in the midst of our own pain. There is a healing balm that we experience through the Holy Spirit like no other. Into your hands I commit my spirit, he said. And our response is, God, my life is yours. I give up my life to you. And you know, it's, it's probably likely that the majority of us in this room probably won't ever experience in this life the, the scenario where we give up our life physically for somebody else to live. Like maybe we will, but probably not that. But you know what we do encounter every day? I will have opportunities every day to lay down my soul. <laughs> Lay down my opinions and negative ideas and thoughts and lay down what I want. And I will have opportunities every day to put aside my lazy and stubborn will that just wants to do what it wants. And you know what? We say, God, thank you for your grace. Can you say that with me? Just say, God, thank you. God, thank you for your grace. I need it. And the last thing he said, it is finished. Oh, I love this. It is finished. In other words, I've completed the work for you. See, Jesus gave up his life. It was never taken from him. 
He decided, God decided when things were done. God decided when the work was done. And you know what? This is the greatest hope-filled statement because it reminds us that God actually is the one that ultimately has all power and authority. He is the one that says when things are done. He is the one that is ruling and reigning over it all. And he said, I am the one in charge. I've completed the work. Now will you take my victory, will you walk it out and release that power and that authority in every situation that you're in? See, here's the thing about Jesus. He doesn't get us out of suffering, but he's showing us, he will show us what he's going to do out of that suffering. Isn't that a great, amazing, oh, that's so powerful. Jesus doesn't get us out of suffering, but he shows us what he's going to do out of suffering. I want to invite you to stand. I want to pray. I want to invite you to close your eyes and I want to give an opportunity today because, man, if we're going to experience the most powerful force that we have access to, the life and power, the authority of Jesus Christ, it came through his sacrifice. It came through the cross. And you know, when we live cross form life so we can release that same power. I want you to close your eyes and I just want to pray for you. Father, I want to pray online for you as well. And Father, today, God, we just give you thanks. Can you just even take a moment and just quietly just thank him or just under your breath, just say, God, thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you for not just dying on the cross, but thank you for releasing that power, your authority. Thank you for giving us your grace and your strength. Thank you for making peace through your cross. Thank you that you nailed all of my guilt and my shame and the condemnation, all the regrets, all my sin, all my failures. You nailed it at the cross and you've given me a new start. God, we're so thankful for that. And God, we love you. And I just pray for a new hope to come alive in the hearts of every single person, those that are watching online, every person here in this room. Father, every place and space where we feel overcome, God, I just declare a revelation of the power of the cross, a revelation of your power and authority that you have given to us. And can we pray this, church? Can we pray this together? Say, Jesus, I say yes to you, to all that you've done so that I could live and so that I could walk in your power and authority. And I choose to stop living life my way. And I say yes to taking up my cross and following you. Jesus, thank you for a brand new start today. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.